Uh, hey, would you consider yourself a patient person? <laughs> Kelly's saying, no, a work in progress. Amen. How about this? Would those closest to you consider you a patient person? Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but December comes with a whole lot of opportunities to practice patience, doesn't it? Like December is one long exercise in learning how to wait well. Like if anybody flew here, anybody from out of town have to fly during the holidays, right? Being at the airport in December is one long lesson in waiting. That's gonna be me tomorrow morning. Pray for me. Or like uh, last night, I went to the domain because I had some last minute Christmas shopping to, to get done. And don't judge me for that. I meant to get it done early and I forgot, okay? Anyways, I get to the domain late last night and I'm by myself in my car and I literally, literally audibly spoke these words. I show up to the domain and I go, what have I done? Because there was a line a very long line just to wait to park, to then go wait to get into stores, to then go wait to give my money to those stores. And I thought, this is going to be a whole lot of waiting. And then um, I was there by myself and everybody else was like there in groups, you know? So it's like I was there on mission, but they seemed to all just be there to mingle. And so we're walking like this slow to get from store to store as I like listen to this group of five tell each other about their day. And I just wanna go get my presents and get home because I'm not great at wrapping Christmas presents because I don't have fine motor skills. And it's just a whole other thing. It's like literally easier for me to preach a sermon than it is for me to wrap a present. But I got it done. I got it done. Don't worry. But December is a whole lot of waiting, isn't it? Like you remember being a young kid and having to wait to open Christmas presents? I got to experience this all over again this year through the eyes of my three-year-old nephew, Will. Uh, Doug said this best, nobody has waited longer for tomorrow morning than Will. They've had a paper chain of like 30 going for the last 30 days and Will's told me every single day how many more days are left until Christmas morning and every time I go over to Doug and Sam's house he just he grabs my hand and he takes me over to the tree this is what he does he goes you know there are presents under there and he gives me this look because now like some for some reason Will thinks I have like some authority in their home you know because I'm an adult or whatever like if, if we're doing a puzzle and Doug or Sam comes over and says Will it's time for bed he'll look at me like help a nephew out you know you're an adult Go to bat for me. Get me 20 extra minutes. And I just can't do that, right? So he'll take me over to the tree and be like, hey, there are presents under there. And I know what he's saying is, just give me the green light. Just give me one green light. I'll take a present. Mom and dad will never know. And I said, Will, you can't do that. That's actually not true. I said, just make sure you take a small one so that they don't see. <laughs> Kidding. Waiting to open presents as a kid feels like it takes forever, doesn't it? Like, I remember when I was nine years old, waiting for Christmas morning was so hard for me because at that time in history, there were these things called Disney Channel original movies. Am I preaching to anybody right now? Very niche kind of age group responding to, to that one. If you don't know, they were very low budget films that Disney put out um, that we thought were amazing, but when you go back and watch them, you know. Like, I'm talking about Johnny Tsunami, Motocross, 
Jumping Ship, and these types of movies, and all of them were really just competing for second place behind the greatest Disney Channel original movie of all time. And I'm, of course, talking about this movie called Brink. <laughs> Doug and I, we watched Brink when, when uh, I was nine, he was 10, and uh, we were in our, our bunk beds watching this movie for the very first time. If you don't know, it's this movie about four inline skaters from California. And if you're thinking skaters, like skateboarding, like Tony Hawk, no, less cool. We're talking about rollerblading. So let's take it down a few notches. And we watched this movie in our bunk beds and we thought, well, we just discovered what we're going to be doing with the rest of our lives. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. It's time to learn how to skate. We lived right down the street from where Team X-Blades, boo, used to skate every day. And uh, we just had our future figured out. So I found this pair of K2 rollerblades, inline skates, and I told my parents uh, about them. I picked them out, and then I was like extra kind to everybody, you know, all throughout December because Santa's love is a lot more conditional than Jesus's love. And so I'm like on my best behavior, and you guys, I'm just counting down the days till Christmas morning. And like I'm sitting in class just watching the clock because I know that once the bell rings at 2.30, I'm gonna get out of school and we'll be one day closer to Christmas morning. And it, that, that month honestly felt like an entire year for me because December is full of waiting. And as Tom Petty taught us back in 1981, waiting is the hardest part. Is that a Tom Petty reference there in a Christmas Eve service, what are we doing? Hey, the reason I tell you all that is because the story we're about to read in Luke chapter two is about a human being who had to wait for Christmas longer than anybody else in the history of waiting for Christmas. Like Will's last 30 days have been tough, but this guy that we're about to read about waited his entire life for Christmas. Nine-year-old Ryan waiting for his, his rollerblades, which, by the way, I eventually got. Somebody came, Dan came up to me after the last service, and he's like, you just left us hanging. Did you get the, the skates? I did. Turns out you also need talent to go along with the, the right skates. I had one of those things. I didn't have the other, and so I'm a pastor and not a professional skater. But whatever, here we are. We, I had to wait a long time for those rollerblades, but the person that we're going to read about today had to wait a lot longer. I'm talking about this guy named Simeon, and his story is found in Luke chapter two. And by the way, if you're new to the Bible, uh, the first three quarters of your Bible is what we call the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. It's Israel waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah, for the Savior to come and save the day. And then the, the, the last quarter of your Bible we call the New Testament or the New Covenant where Jesus arrives, right, which we celebrate on Christmas. Jesus arrives, the king on his throne becomes a baby in a manger for you and for me and it changes everything. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first, first four books of your New Testament and if you are looking for a, a place to start reading the Bible for the first time, pick one of those and, and read it. It's, it's four different accounts, four accounts, four different accounts of the same story, the story of Jesus. And so when I say we're about to read Luke chapter two, well, Luke is one of those four gospels and we're going to be in the second chapter. By the way, we call it Luke, 
because this guy named Luke wrote it, and we're super creative as Christians. So Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick up the story in verse 25. It says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Remember those words, righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now a little background before we we keep reading. This is after Mary and Joseph have made the trip down to Bethlehem as Mary is nine months pregnant. Right? This is after there was no room in the inn, and so they had to go out back where all the animals were. This is after the birth of Jesus and the shepherds celebrate and the wise men visit. This is a few days after that all those events happened. Mary and Joseph take their newborn baby, Jesus, up to Jerusalem for basically like a, a child dedication. So if you've ever been here when we do a a child dedication, this is essentially what they're doing. They're bringing Jesus up to the temple and, and this guy, Simeon, that we just met is there waiting for them. Let's keep reading. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon, this is probably your first Christmas message you've ever heard about this guy named Simeon. I had never, never heard one before today. He's kind of this unsung hero of the Christmas story. Simeon is a guy who is, is well advanced in years. He's righteous and devout. He's been praying and reading and studying and waiting his entire life for Christmas. His entire life for the savior of the world, for the coming Messiah. I was talking to, to Ethan a while back about this Simeon guy, and I said, e, how, do I, how do I paint the picture of Simeon for people? And, and he said, oh, easy. Just show him a picture of this Cubs fan right here. Just one before I die, Chicago Cubs. Now, if you don't know the backstory behind this picture, let me explain. The Cubs, Chicago Cubs, any, anybody from Chicago here? We have any Cubs fans? There we go. We got a couple. Won the World Series in 2016, which was a big deal because before then, their last World Series was 1908. So it had been 108 years of waiting for a World Series, and this amazing fan in 2016 said, just give me one before I go. And that's the picture I want you to have when you read Luke 2 and you read about this guy named Simeon. This guy who's, who's in the temple and he's praying every day and he's going, I just need to see the Messiah before I go. I've got one job left to do. So you picture him every time somebody shows up, you know, a young couple shows up with a baby, kind of like eyeing it and, and, and checking in and seeing how they're doing and then going, oh, nope. Don't mind me, your baby is very cute, but that's not the savior of the world. Keep going, right? And that happens like day after day after day. Exceptionally ordinary, as Luna would would say. It's a Harry Potter reference on Christmas. Whatever, we'll just keep, we'll move right past it. (laughs) Um, Okay, and then one day, Mary and Joseph, this young couple, walk into the temple courts, and let's read what happens next says this verse 27 moved by the spirit 
he went into the temple courts. When the parents, so this is Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law, the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Before we read the song that Simeon's about to to, um, jump into, think about this for a second. Baby after baby comes through and Simeon just waves. And then all of a sudden, Mary and Joseph show up with Jesus. And Simeon realizes this is the moment he's been waiting for his entire life. He takes the baby into his arms and he sings this amazing song. Let's read the whole song together. I'm not gonna sing it, don't worry. Lord, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Remember that word, peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Remember that word too, peace and salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon sings this Christmas song that I have been meditating on over and over and over again this month as I've gotten ready for this message because I think it's so beautiful that Simeon starts his song by talking about peace. He finally gets to hold the Prince of Peace in his arms and the first thing that that he decides to talk about is how at peace he feels. Now, it's easy for this to kind of just, just um, go straight past this without us really thinking about the implications. And, and, and so I think if we can do two minutes of historical background information, it's going to, to make this verse about peace really, really sink in for us. So I know it's Christmas Eve, but hey, we're going to do some historical Bible background because Jeff and Deborah, our Bible scholars, are here. So shout out to the Newports. Discover Courses coming next year. Okay, historical background real quick. In 63 BC, so about six decades before this event took place, there was a siege on Jerusalem. This Roman general named Pompey surrounded the city of Jerusalem for a couple of months and and ended up eventually taking it down, killing 12,000 Israelites in the process. Okay, so If you think about it, Simeon, we're speculating a little bit here. We don't know exactly how old he was, but we do know he was from Jerusalem, which means he was there six decades earlier when Rome came in and killed 12,000 of his friends and then took over. So what was Simeon up to in those days? We don't know. Was he a soldier fighting bravely? alongside so many of his friends who lost their lives? Maybe. Was he a a young kid under his bed praying for protection as this happened? We don't know. Maybe. What we do know is since he was young, Simeon has come up in a war-torn nation and experienced oppression his entire life. If you know anything about Roman rule, it was, it's known for this, this Latin phrase, Pax Romana, Roman peace, and we say that it was peaceful, but it was really just peaceful as long as you did everything that Rome told you to do. If you didn't, you usually found yourself hanging publicly on a cross. 
world that Simeon grew up in was anything but peaceful. So you just picture him, this righteous, devout man in the temple reading Isaiah's scroll and getting to the ninth chapter and reading about the coming Messiah who's going to be the prince of peace and just feeling in the depths of his soul, man, we need this prince of peace so badly. And he waited his entire life for this moment in Luke 2 and he finally gets to hold the prince of peace in his arms. And I love this picture because we live in a world that tries to sell us that peace is right over there. You know what I mean? This is like marketing and advertising 101. Just tell everybody that if they just get over there, they'll be at peace. If you just get that many followers, then you'll have peace. If you can just make that amount of money, then you can have peace. If you can just get that promotion, then you'll have peace. If you just get that relationship, then you'll have peace. If you just get that nice family, then you'll have peace. The world tries to sell us on this narrative that if we can just get there, we'll have peace. And yet the story of Christmas, summed up so brilliantly by Simeon, is that peace is not over there, peace came here. Peace is not a, a destination that we have to, to get to. Peace is a thing that we get to experience when we just realize that 2,000 years ago, the king on his throne traded it in for a, for a manger and that the Prince of Peace came to us. It's a beautiful story with a whole lot of practical implications for us this Christmas season. But before we, we talk about those, let me, let me just pause for a second. And um, I, wanna, I wanna address anybody who's in this room right now or watching online right now who isn't buying into any of this stuff that I'm talking about. Like skeptical uh, uh, about the Bible and about this whole tradition and um, maybe you are just here to be a good son or to be a good dad or to be a good daughter or whatever it is, but you're looking around like, why are we singing this, these songs? And why does this guy have a sweater on even though it's 80 degrees out? And, but we look good. We look good. Hey, let me say two things. The first, we are so glad that you are here. Honored that you are here. And I hope you feel, you, you feel the sincerity in my voice because I mean it. You are welcome here exactly as you are. You don't have to believe any of these things that we're talking about in order to belong here. We're just honored that you would take an hour out of your day to hang out with us or to watch online. And so thank you for joining us. That's the first thing I'll say. And the, the second thing I'll say is this. I know I'm a question asker at heart. And I've had a long journey. In fact, when I was 18, I wasn't sure exactly what I believed about all of this and if I was a Christian or agnostic or an atheist. And I'm asking all of these questions. And somebody pointed out to me the same thing I wanna point out tonight. They simply said, hey, you gotta at least admit it's a really compelling story. And I thought about it for a second and I go, it really is, isn't it? Like there's all these religions in the world that all say there is a God or gods out there and there are all these things that you have to do to clean yourself up to get the gods or the God on your side so that that God will bless you. 
And then the Christmas story comes around and it preaches, it flips the whole thing on its head and it goes, actually, this whole thing is not about us climbing a ladder to get to God. This whole thing is about God coming down the ladder and taking the form of a human being born in a humble manger to show us, hey, I actually love you so much that I didn't just create you. I went to great lengths so that we could be together. And I remember thinking about that, like um, my logical brain, all the emotion removed, thinking about that when I was 18, just going, that is like a, I at least got to admit, it's a compelling story. And then the guy went on to say, hey, if that really is true, like if there really is a God who created us, and that God really does want to go to great lengths to come be with us, then wouldn't you at least want to get to know that God? It was like super helpful for me. Again, all the emotion aside, just a logical thing to, to be thinking about. And so that's what I would say to you, is wouldn't you at least want to get to know this God? And that's what we're gonna be doing all of 2022. So as you're thinking about your goals and who you wanna be next year, um, man, can I just invite you to, to, to come join us? Because 14 years ago, I started to get to know that God and he has completely transformed my life, infused my life with purpose and meaning and filled my heart and my soul with so much joy and love and peace and hope along the way. And the same invitation is there for you. So come hang out next year. You're welcome here exactly as you are. Again, you don't have to believe to belong. We just wanna to, to be on this journey with you you drink as much coffee and eat as many donuts and ask as many questions as you want. It would just be an honor to, to have you. For the rest of us, what I would say is this story, this Christmas story about the Prince of Peace coming to us. I think that, and what I have been praying for for the, the last week, last couple of weeks, is that this truth would, would sink down into our souls a, a little bit deeper this evening. Because you know what the, the best Christmas present you could get for your family this year is? The gift of being a non-anxious presence with them. The, the gift of, of, of fixing our eyes on the Prince of Peace so much, walking on the path of peace with the Prince of Peace so much that that, that peace just overflows into our home. And every conversation that we have, every, every dinner that we have as we open presents, as we watch movies, what would it look like just to be a non-anxious presence with our family this year? And as we look forward to, to next year, what would it look like to realize that peace is not something that we'll get once we get over there. Peace is actually something that came here, which means we can actually have peace in the process. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll say it this way. We've been, we've been working on um, this film for January 2nd, all, all of December. And um, by the way, you guys, January 2nd is gonna be one of the coolest days of church we've ever had. Like, like tune in on January 2nd to this online experience because I'm telling you, it's incredible. And I can say that because it has very little to do with me and a whole lot to do with all the talented people that I'm surrounded with. By the, by the way, Jacob Phillips is our, you don't, you don't see him much. He's always behind a camera. Um, you guys, Jacob, are you here? Jacob's been editing like through the night 
all, all month long. And, and can I, I just say this? He hates this because he doesn't want the attention. He's always the one behind the camera that's always making us look so good. He is the most talented creative storyteller I have ever known in my life. And I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not just saying for his age. And so I'm telling you, January 2nd, tune in. You're going to absolutely love it. Now, we talked all month about how, man, when we can just watch the finished product, when we can just watch this film, it's going to, it's gonna be like such a weight off of our shoulders, right? Because we've been working hard on it. And uh, it was so funny, yesterday we were up in the offices and we were watching a, a final draft of one of the parts of it. And like we're finally reaching that moment that we've been working toward all month where we can finally just watch the finished thing. And uh, as we're watching it, something, an idea sparks for, for the next film that we want to make. And we start throwing these ideas back and forth uh, across the way, right? And then Doug comes into my office and we're scribbling like an outline on, on, the, on my whiteboard, right? We're getting all excited. And, and I had, it made me laugh, right? Because we as humans, like we always just wanna get to the end. We always wanna get over there so we can experience that piece. Hey, the truth is we're just gonna be making things the rest of our lives. And whatever the equivalent of that is for you, we're just going to be like creating and telling stories. We're always going to have another project that we're working on, which means if we have to get over there to find peace, we're never going to find peace. But the beautiful story of Christmas is that peace came here. And I wonder how many people need to know this and think about this as you head into 2022 that Jesus wants you to have peace in the process not just when you get to your final destination. The beautiful story of Christmas is that peace came here. And I love this picture of Simeon holding the Prince of Peace in his arms, preaching about this peace. So the question is, how do we get that peace? And the answer, I think, is in the very next line where Simeon says this, for my eyes have seen your salvation. By the way, the, the, I know this was written in Greek originally, but the Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua, or Jesus, as we say it. So there's a fair chance that Simeon was speaking Hebrew in this moment, and if he was, he would have literally said, for my eyes have seen your Yeshua. And Mary and Joseph looked at each other like, that's a good name. Is that on your list? That's on my list. Let's, maybe, let's call him Yeshua. Which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. My buddy Riley uh, asked me yesterday, he said, what have you been learning this Christmas season? And my answer was this picture of Simeon holding Jesus in his arms saying, this is salvation. See, Simeon, remember, he was righteous and devout. He knew his Old Testament real well. He knew that whoever the Messiah was, he would have to be born in Bethlehem because he had read Micah 5, 2. He had read Isaiah 7, 14. He knew that, that the Messiah had to be born of a virgin. He had read Genesis 12, 3. He knew that the, the Messiah had to come and be a descendant of Abraham. And by the way, over 300 other prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. 
Simeon knew his Old Testament well, and he knew, he saw it like this giant puzzle of a story that had over 300 missing pieces. And he knew that this baby that he held in his arms fit all 300 of those pieces perfectly because this wasn't just another baby. This was soon to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Simeon understood that the entire Bible was pointing to this child. And so he gets to hold Jesus and go, this is salvation. And I love that picture because I don't know about you, but for me, um, there are a lot of things like in the Christian journey that come naturally to me and that I'm, I'm starting to, to figure out. There are also a lot of things that are a work in progress for me, like patience, constantly. One of those things is that I'm always, I always end up trying to hold the weight of the world on my shoulders. Does everybody know what I mean by that? You know, like, like always trying to make sure that everybody is okay and always trying to make sure that the family's okay and the friends are okay and the church is okay. And if anything goes wrong, like I'll just apologize 10 times over even if I didn't do anything just to try to make everything be okay. And I think there's some really good intentions in that. I think there's also this massive problem with that. And that is that there's one savior in this story and his name's not Ryan. His name's Jesus. And I love the humility of Simeon as he holds Jesus in his arms. This is a righteous, devout follower who has been following God for decades. And yet as he holds Jesus, he doesn't say anything about himself. He just goes, no, this is salvation. Salvation isn't found in me. Salvation is found in Jesus. And as I've been thinking about and meditating on that, that story over the last few weeks, it's bringing me so much peace and so much joy and so much hope. Because let's just be honest, it's really good news that I'm not the savior of this whole story. It's really good news that you are not the savior of this story. It's really good news that we have a savior and his name is Jesus. And this uh, kind of really became a reality for me on Saturday morning as I was driving to, to Houston. Um, I was heading to, to Houston to officiate a wedding, a party that Jeff and Becky threw. Jeff and Becky know how to throw a party. Man, there was like fire coming up from the, the floor as they danced, and it was this, this amazing thing. But that morning, I was on a Zoom call with, with Sean and with Doug because we were working on uh, Sean's sermon, Christmas sermon for Denver and my sermon for here. And Doug's just the guy that you want with you in those moments because he wordsmith everything and I don't know how he does it so well all the time. But we finished that call and I'm like super fired up about this, this message and this concept. And I'm like, God, I've got a three hour drive to Houston. I'm going to write the best sermon, the best Christmas sermon that anybody's ever heard. It'll be like my gift. Right, my gift to God, God, you've done so much for me. I wanna give you this gift of a sermon for the world. For the first hour, I've got my worship music going and I'm praying and I'm, I'm, I'm pressing in and I'm, I'm trying to figure this thing out and it's just not clicking for me. And about halfway through the drive, I'm driving down 290. And I feel like God just, just gives me this line because you know, um, you know when you watch like a, a kid bring a present to their parent? Like a young kid bring a, a present to their parent. 
It makes the parent just so happy and so full of joy. And if you are a parent in here, you know the, the feeling that I'm talking about, but you also know that it has very little to do with the product and a whole lot to do with the person. Because let's be real, especially if you have young kids, like, like the product, it, it, you gave them the money to go buy that thing for you in the first place, right? Like it's your money that they were using. But it has very little to do with the actual like object that they gave you and so much more to do with the fact that your child would take the time to care about you deeply enough to get you a gift and bring it to you and give it to you. And I'm, as I'm on this drive, thinking, God, I'm gonna write the best sermon ever and I'm gonna give it to you. It's gonna be my gift to you. She felt like God was, was maybe saying, hey, uh, I love that. And I cherish the sermons that, that you come up with. But it has very little to do with the, the product and a whole lot to do with the person. It has very little to do with the thing that you actually bring to me and a whole lot to do with the fact that you are a child of God. And so for the next hour and a half, I turned on this song that has been an anthem for me all year, All Hail King Jesus. I just turned it on repeat and for an hour and a half, it's like I stopped. I put down all of the trying and striving, trying to figure everything out for God and I practiced just being with God. And for an hour and a half, I felt more peace than I have felt in a long, long, long time. And I sat there just thinking, I wonder how many people in this room or watching online at the end of 2021 are going to be sitting here going, hey, was my product good enough? Did I hit my numbers this year? Was I a good enough employee? Was I a good enough friend? Was I a good enough student? Was I a good enough parent? Was I a good enough child? And I wonder if just for the next few minutes, as we like Simeon sing, if we realize that as important as the product is, God cares way more about the person than the product. God cares way more about you than he does about all the things that you do for him. See, the beautiful story of Christmas is that peace came here. The beautiful story about Christmas is that salvation drew near. That we don't have to find peace on our own strength and we don't have to save the world on our own strength. We get to rest in the reality that the wait is over and the Savior is here. So you guys stand to your feet. We're gonna sing a song, the same song that I was listening to, All Hail King Jesus, as we, and you, maybe for the first time in a long time, just put down the resume, you know? Like, hey, if we were still waiting for the Messiah, then your resume would be important. But since the wait is over, that means we get to tear up the resume and just practice being sons and daughters of the Most High. Jesus finished it all for us. Peace came here so that we could experience it this Christmas. So I want to pray and say a benediction, a blessing over you, a special Christmas 
blessing. And as I do, would you just receive this and remember that God loves you so much that in the greatest act of love, he sent his son for you so that you could have eternal life forever. And so, with the message of Christmas and the beauty of the Christmas story sink a bit deeper into your soul this year, may you be reminded that at just the right time, the Prince of Peace stepped out of heaven for you. May you be reminded that this God loves you so extraordinarily much that he went to such great lengths for you, not on your best day, but on your worst. And with the reminder that the wait is over and that Jesus is here, sink into the very fiber of your being. And would that message fill your heart with peace and fill your mind with expectation? as we join with all of heaven this evening and declare the same message that Simeon sang 2,000 years ago, the wait is over. All hail King Jesus.